Shauna and Jody here with Real Sisters, Real Talk. We're glad to have you joining us as we talk about growing in our faith with God. Hey, it is so good to have you with us. We are really getting a rhythm here with our podcast and having so much fun with this community that's being developed. And we would love to hear from you what's on your heart and what you'd like to have us dive into. I got to tell you, I was a little bit late in getting here today because one of my kiddos, my kids are all adults and they just pretend like they need me. But but today there was a real need because one of my kids wasn't feeling good and I was tending to that. And it's just, it's it's funny what we will do for our kids and how we get, oh my gosh, so mama bear over our kids. Oh my goodness. I have to tell you a story, a mama bear story. Is that all right? I'm ready. Tell it. So this is back when my kids were little, we lived in a cul-de-sac and there were, we were at the very end of the cul-de-sac and there were probably about 25 kids who lived in this cul-de-sac. And one of our neighbors who didn't even have children bought one of these neon dudes like to put in the middle of the cul-de-sac, like children at play, you know, so people would slow down. Well, one day I'm sitting there and I'm crocheting. (laughs) That's a pretty little picture in it. I'm sitting in my (laughs) lawn chair and I'm crocheting and the kids are playing in the street, literally, because that was their playground. And a van comes like zooming down the cul-de-sac going so fast, Jodes. And, And it literally like screeched as it turned. I yell at the kids and I yell at them, get off the street. And they just like abort their little trikes and bikes and whatever. And they just run up to the curb and this car, this van, it was a big white van and it, it turns around and it starts leaving. And there was no processing. There was no thinking through. I got up out of my chair and I started storming after this van. And I said, slow down like this. And all of a sudden the van like stops and the guy opens up the door and he starts walking at me fast. I tell the kids to get in the house and lock the door. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what's about to go down, but in that's what was going on in my head. But what I was actually doing was I was keeping pace with him, walking towards him as fast as he was walking towards me. And I was like, Jesus, this might be my last conversation. (laughs) But as we get to about like 20 feet away from each other, he goes, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I know that kids play here all the time. And I'm so sorry. Like I had no business going that fast. I just wasn't paying attention. And I was like, it's okay. Just please slow down and be careful. You know, and that was the end of the conversation, but man, I was not backing down when it came to my kids. Like I was all mama bear. You were ready to throw down. (laughs) I was like, let's do this. Let's do this. But yeah, loving our kids. There's, there's just something about the love that you have for your children that will pull you away from work either early to go get them what they need, you know, to care for the kid that's sick, that, you know, to, to go ahead and just like full forced march into a conversation that you just don't know how it's going to go down because you're protecting your babies. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's a really natural thing and a normal thing. And I would even say, you know, loving our kids that way is a good thing. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we do want to protect and we do want to love. And then we also recognize that, um, we need to keep a healthy uh, balance in there in in loving our family as well. I told a story back in one of our episodes um, about um, when I had to lay down my family and mm-hmm. I recognized that my family had become an idol. And, and even in that episode, I talked about how what I recognized is that the first filter that I 
um, when, when I had to make a decision was, does this impact my family? And then is God mm-hmm. calling me into this? And so, yeah. you know, loving our family is a good thing. We want to, we want to we throw down to protect our family. Right. <laughs> um, and yet <laughs> we also have to recognize, uh, do, do I have that in the right place? Is my love for yeah. family um, below my love for God? Do I have the right order? Because even good things can become an idol. Yeah. I remember when, when I was really little dad tucking me in one night and saying to me, I am, I love you so much. It scares me. And as a little girl, I didn't know how to process that statement, but as a mother, I do. I understand what he was saying in that moment was I have crazy love for you, girl. And you know, it scares me because I know that God needs to be first. And I think that that just was a very honest rendering of parenting and of how, how possible it is for our children to become idols to us. Yeah. Yeah. I have often prayed God, you know, especially since that season of surrendering my family, uh, never let my family become so much and never let my family become an idol again, help me never get there again. Um, because I, you know, partly, I mean, let's, let's just name the truth. Like partly I never want him to have to teach me in a really hard way. I mean, harder than what I already went through, um, that he needs to be first. And, um, yeah, it's just, there's, there's such a good, we need to actually, uh, I don't know if steward that is the right thing, steward our love, but we need to make sure that we are making a conscious choice to keep God first because idols slip in there really quickly. Yeah. Even good things can become an idol. Yeah. And if you didn't hear Jody's story about when, you know, she had to lay down her family before the Lord and just surrender that, that is a powerful story. Do I don't remember which episode that was. Um, I think it was about anxiety actually. So if you haven't caught that episode, go back and listen to that because that was a super, super powerful story. Um, but yeah, I do want to talk about how do we keep our kids from being idols, our family from being idols, because it is a good thing. Loving our family is a good thing. Having a fierce mama bear love for your kiddos is not a bad thing, but it becomes a bad thing if it becomes the ultimate thing and God is not the ultimate thing. You know what I mean? If, if everything is not in its right place, it can be super, super, um, damaging and, and harmful to us in our relationship with the Lord, us in our relationship with our children, you know, it's just, it can get really messy. So how do we keep, how do we keep them from becoming an idol? Yeah. And I, I think there's a a constant laying down, a a constant laying down before God, um, and, and being intentional to make sure that we're keeping him first. Um, there's a, there's a evaluating what is my first process when I'm making a decision, because if it's not in the right order, then I need to actually confess that and repent and change the way that I am operating. So just real quickly, I looked up a but what is the definition of idol? Yeah. And it says an image or representation of a God used as an object of worship. And so, um, so again, it, you know, when we, when we, our love for our family is becoming, um, the most important thing, then we, we literally need to hit pause. <laughs> yeah. And loving our family is one example. 
there's a lot of things that we make idols. Sports. Oh, Even yeah. Our I was going to say sports. That. Yeah. Yeah. I, somehow we think our kids succeeding in something or being really good at something becomes so important that we end up making that like a high value in our, in our home, in our family, in the choices we make, in the decisions and how we spend our time. We mm-hmm. have got to pay attention to, yes, sports are a good thing. I'm all about sports. My, our kids played sports. Yeah. Um, and we, we thought that was a good thing. It's good for them to be a part of a team. All of that is good. But where we, it has to be in the, in the proper place. And if it's not, then we need to rearrange it. And I'm going to push in. I'm going to push into okay. something tough here. Like I'm going to say something that people are not going to like to hear. Okay. But when we are <laughs> sacrificing. Myself. <laughs> you're ready. I'm when ready. we are choosing to put our kids' sports above attending church as a family, um, spending time together, even as a family dinners, you know, praying, reading the Bible, that kind of thing, then we have that out of order. And I know that that's hard. I know, you know, when I w- we were raising our kids, there was more sports on Saturdays than on Sundays. It did definitely, right. you know, dip into Sundays as well. But we, you know, now you don't just play a season of a sport, you play travel teams and, you know, there's clubs and there's everything. It just, it kind of takes over. Um, when we were kids, you could play multiple sports and that's just not a thing anymore. You really have to kind of have to focus in because there's so much um, that goes into that. But what, what message are we sending to our children if we are not making worship and community as a priority? Mm-hmm. And I know that that's not an easy thing. You know what? And even as, you know, keeping our children from being idols in our life is one way that we model for our kids how to behave when, as they grow up, right? I mean, like, as we show them, I love you so much that I won't make you the center of my world. God is going to be the center of my world. You know what I mean? And just, we can model that for them as we walk it out when they're very, very young. So that a lot of the stuff that we have had to wrestle through, they come into naturally because we created a rhythm. You know, we showed them what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So even thinking like going back to the family being an idol, practically, I think like, what does that look like? Like, um, you know, if, if our, if our family is, has become an idol, um, you know, we're making decisions out of, always what does my family want? What is, what is, um, the most fun for my family? How can I spend most time with my family? If we have God as truly the top, Mm -hmm. um, that he is who I worship, then I guess the filter is going through like, um, does this honor God? Do we get to honor God as a family? Is this what God is inviting us into? Cause I just think there's a real practical piece to this. And we each have a kind of a story of that, but like, just this real practical piece to making sure that God is on the throne where he belongs Yeah, in our hearts, you, in our minds. I think it's um, the whole conversation about our kids being idols is one that we can all kind of get on board with pretty quickly. Like, oh yeah, I can see how that could happen. But I have seen this play out in so many marriages, Jodes. Like, like I, as a pastor's wife, I think maybe, um, I'm sure that in your role as well, though, a lot of women have shared with me struggles that they've had that have just been 
very vulnerable and struggles like, you know, my husband just is really wants to bring porn into the bedroom and that sort of thing. And I'm just kind of wrestling with that. And I don't, I just don't know what to do. And just that statement, right? Like, I don't know what to do because my husband is saying he wants this to happen and I don't feel right and good about it is like, there's a real test right there of whether or not your husband is an idol. Because as I've had these conversations with women, I've said, okay, so your husband and your, and God are standing in front of you. You know, and one is saying one thing and one is saying the other, what are you, wh- who are you going to go to? Who are you going to obey? What you, you know, and it's, it's a hard one to face, but any time that in a marriage relationship, we are being asked to sin against God and it's a struggle. It's a wrestling. I mean, I, this is hard stuff, but there's, there's a clear line in the sand here that, you know, our husband has stepped into a space of idol or a spouse. It could be the other way around too, that a husband is feeling pressures from his mm-hmm. wife to participate in things or do things that are not God honoring. But, um, I see this a lot in marriage relationships and I'm so passionate about just keeping, paying attention to not letting our spouse be our idol and letting God be who God is in our life, letting him meet all our needs, even in simple ways, if it's not as black and white as pornography or that sort of thing, but even in just like really subtle ways, if we're looking for our husband to meet all of our needs, if we're looking our, for, to our husband to show us that we're valuable, to tell us that we matter. Um, you know, every decision, you know, it's like, well, let's see what he has to say. If, if, if our husband is taking a space that belongs to God and God alone in our lives, he's become an idol. If your spouse has taken that space, if you're looking to her to meet a need that God is meant to meet for you, then there's a problem there. Something's out of balance and they're in a place that belongs to God and God alone. I love that, that last part too. So yes, if, if, um, our spouse is asking us to do something that is not godly and, um, biblically right, then absolutely we're having to choose. Are we going to choose God or are we choosing our spouse? But even that last piece, I feel like is a, is a, even a whole different level of, am I looking to my spouse to fulfill something that only God should. So my value, who I am, comes from who I am in Christ. Am I looking to my spouse to fulfill that in me, you know, my identity? Am I looking to my spouse to to I to fulfill something that only God can and has the right to fulfill in me? So we definitely need to be looking to God to lead and to guide us not our spouse. And it's actually not fair because like to put that on mm-hmm. your spouse, to expect your spouse to love you perfectly and always be forgiving when you fail, like, like all the things that, that God provides for us, when we expect that from our spouse, we're setting them up for failure. You really are. It's just not nice. It's not fair. Not only is it not what God desires for us, it's incredibly mean to your spouse to expect them to meet needs that only God is meant to meet in us. Absolutely. They're not capable of being God. Only God is. And um, so there's only disappointment to come when we live that way. 
And that is, yeah, that's a really, really good word. And I think we can do that with our kids too. want them to fulfill what only God can in us. Um, We need to turn to God for that. Yeah. And, and not letting our kids be idols or our husband be an idol is it all goes back to trusting God, doesn't it? And like our intimacy and relationship with God, the more that we know him, the more that we're in the word and that's the word is such a gift to us to be able to know the heart of God. But the more that we are reading God's word and we're learning of his character and we're falling in love with him, the more we are able to trust him with the hardest, hardest things. I remember back to our kiddos when my oldest, um, she had gone on a mission trip to Australia and she's very intentional while she was there. She was having conversations to set up her next summer where she would go back to Australia as an intern and live for three months. And the first time she went with a group of people and there were adults, if you will, you know, and the second time that she went to move there for three months, she was going entirely on her own. And I just remember thinking, I mean, I just wrestled Jodes. I struggled so hard with this. I'm like, my kid is going to hop on a plane and fly by herself internationally, you know, to another country. I'm just, and she's going to, she's going to be by herself on her own in another country. And I was losing it, honestly. And it was a Sunday morning. It was in worship. And I was just feeling very weepy, very concerned about my daughter, really begging God to watch over her and protect her and please keep her safe and all these things. And I saw an image in my mind's eye that I believe was a gift from God. All of a sudden, my begging was interrupted by an image of my daughter, Bryn, wearing this very regal dress with the puffy sleeves and the, and then puffy at the shoulders, but like very fitted down the arm coming down to a V, you know, kind of thing. And she had, um, a bow in her hand and she had arrows on her back, like a quiver with arrows on her back. She also had, uh, this huge belt on with this huge sword at her side. And the fabric of this dress was like this really, um, soft thin, like expensive velvet. It was like this burgundy color. And she had this headdress thing on and she, her head was turned sideways. Her hands were firmly planted on her hips and that was it. And I felt like what God was speaking to me through that image was your little girl is my warrior princess and I am sending her. I am sending her to advance the gospel in a place where it needs to be advanced and she's equipped and she's ready and she's got me. And so she's good. And it was just for me, such a gift from God and such, um, you know, I was reminded of, yes, God, you are good and, and I can trust you and I can release her. And she's called, you know, this is just not some silly little trip. Like she's called to be about your work where she's going. And it freed me to celebrate what God was doing in her rather than be freaking out as her mama. Right. And I love, I love that visual that God gave you. And at the same, and, and, and with that, we could take that when we, when we get a vision or something like that, we could take that and say, so God's going to protect her. And that's not, he was showing you, I have prepared her. She Mm -hmm. is, she is my warrior princess and I have, I'm calling her to this. Um, and that doesn't guarantee that she will come home safely, but I, I've got her and we can still trust him. Yeah. Right. We still trust him. 
no matter what the outcome is. You know what? It honestly, I was thinking this might change the direction just a little bit, but um, I was thinking about a vision you had. Um, this was, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago and you shared it with me and I shared in another podcast. There are times when you have a vision and you share it with me and then it, God uses it in my life. And it has a, like, I can actually see in, you know, once you explain to me, I can actually see it and it becomes something that teaches me. And so there was another vision and, um, I didn't ask you about this in advance cause I didn't think about it in advance. So I'm going to share here we go. Visions. But <laughs> this, okay, here we go. Here we um, go. but so my version of it, of what I remember is, um, you were, you were like, there's this, this path or almost this tunnel leading towards God. And you were fully focused on heading toward God and what he had, but your family was kind of on the side. And so, um, like one of the kids might mom, mom, um, or your husband, you know, Shauna, and you would turn your head and God would say, no, 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 no keep heading toward me. And so instead of like turning your head to put full focus and attention on one of your kids, it was kind of that like sweeping of your arm, like, come on, come on, we're heading towards God. Come on, here we go. We're heading towards God. And I think to me, that visual, I, that has become something that I have actually seen with my family multiple times in situations, mm -hmm. instead of turning completely from God to put my attention on something else, how do I reach out my arms and pull them pull along whatever is whatever's in that path and say come on we're going toward god we're pointing towards god we're going to keep our eyes here and i'm aware and i see you and and i'm not taking my my you know i'm not forgetting you but we're going to keep right. walking toward him and i'm going to keep my eyes on him honestly that do you remember that oh pff, yeah do i remember it yes i do yeah. um yeah it was so powerful it actually started for me like with very sim with much simpler things so as i was walking towards jesus you know he was standing in front of me with his arms extended towards me like inviting me to come to him at first it was the telephone like ringing and it's like no 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 oh. Keep yes. your eyes on me, keep going. And then it was yes. a computer off on the other side. And it was the, there was things that needed to be done. And so as I walked closer to Jesus, things got more and more valuable to me, more and more important. And the, the closest things to Jesus was my husband and my kids. And yeah, and it was, and Jesus was saying without any words, it was all uh, nonverbal communication, but it was just, I knew that the invitation was keep your eyes on me keep coming, keep walking towards me. And that's, that's just such, I'm glad that you remember that Jodes, because that really is the challenge when it comes to keeping our family from becoming an idol, whether it's our spouse or whether it's our kids, it's not about loving them less. It's about keeping our eyes on Jesus and loving him more. Amen. Amen. And d doesn't that just really sum up what we're talking about here. I feel like that really came full circle. I mean, as, as we wrap up, um, just this conversation is even as Sean and I are leaning in and learning about what it means to have an idol. I, I want, just want to close this with a quote from Tim Keller. I'm just going to read a part of it, but it says, um, when anything in life is an absolute requirement for your happiness and self-worth, it is essentially an idol, something you are actually worshiping. So with wow. that in mind, let's choose to keep God first. Let's choose to worship him and him alone. And as we do that, 
we get to celebrate that we serve a real God and he really does love you. 